Yesterday morning in Hawaii, shortly after 5 a.m. local time, cell phone alarms started going off. On the screen of the phones was an emergency alert, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. Well, turns out it was not a drill, but it was not real either. It was a false alarm, a mistake, they said, though they haven't, I don't think, said who made the mistake or how or why. It took 45 minutes for another alert to be sent out through that same emergency broadcast system, which corrected that first mistake. A friend of ours from college was actually in Honolulu when it happened, and he posted on Facebook, I was having breakfast, he said, in a neighboring restaurant for my hotel. Everyone's phones in the restaurant started making that emergency alert sound all at once. And we all were just looking at each other. Waitresses were crying. The restaurant kicked us out. I was on the street running back to the hotel, stayed in the basement staircase until the EMS horns stopped sounding. I couldn't help but think of Pearl Harbor. Beautiful morning in paradise. Everyone living life when a threat comes out of nowhere. For a moment, yesterday on Saturday morning, it was the end of the world. 45 minutes of panic only to find out it was a mistake. Their time had not yet come, a false alarm. Now, a mistake like that may pale in comparison to the crisis in our gospel story this morning. John tells us not of a life or death ballistic missile crisis headed your way, but a crisis nonetheless. They run out of wine. If you've ever run out of wine, maybe it feels like life and death. But the real threat here is embarrassment. For the couple, this bride and groom, they're throwing a party. And in that day, wedding receptions would last almost a week, and they've run out of wine on day three. The party is over. What a way to begin their marriage together. How embarrassing. They will always be the couple who ran out of wine. Oh, John and Martha, did you hear they ran out of wine at their wedding? I hear Martha's pregnant with their second kid. I I hope they don't run out of food. Thanksgiving at John and Martha's? Maybe someone else should host this year. I wonder if their marriage will run out too. This will follow them forever. That is, it would have had Jesus' mom not been there. Had she not been paying attention, John in his gospel never tells us the name of Jesus' mother, but we know her name, Mary. Mary gets word of this crisis. She sees in the back the wedding planner back in the kitchen diluting the last of the wine with water, trying to make it last a little bit longer. The waiters nervously serving those last few glasses. May I have another? Oh, don't, don't you think you've had enough? Mary knows what's coming. She has compassion. For this couple, maybe they're friends, maybe they're a relative. She turns to Jesus and says, do something. Don't you see what's going on, Jesus? Do something. And Jesus, oh Jesus, not quite ready for prime time Messiah. Jesus looks at his mother in a rather un-Jesus-like way and says, woman, what is this to you and me? Which is loosely translated, mom, how is their poor planning our fault? Besides... My time has not yet come. This is not how Jesus planned his debut. Solving a wine crisis at a wedding, this seems a little bit below the pay grade of the Savior of the world. 
He had a plan, a time frame. Maybe he needed a few more ordinary days, days without the pressure of being the Messiah. Or he just didn't feel like working on a day off. It was a party after all. Maybe he had a great first sign plan, a dramatic healing, someone who was dead, who he was going to rise again. Something extraordinary, not wine. But Mary doesn't argue with him. She simply looks at the servants, these waiters at the wedding, and tells them, do whatever he tells you to do. And maybe, maybe Jesus rolls his eyes just a little bit. But then Jesus gets to work. Now, standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Most surprisingly, there is no fanfare, no dipping of Jesus' finger as he moves it around in the water, then becomes a nice blood red wine color. No magic words, no dramatic music. They fill the sacred jars to the brim, jars not meant for wine, but for holy water. And Jesus said to them, pour a glass. And they pour a glass, and it's wine. Not just any wine either. We're told the finest of wine and not just a little bit of wine. Six jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. That's 120 to 180 gallons of wine. This party isn't shutting down anytime soon. One of the waiters took a glass to the wedding planner and she drinks it. She doesn't know where it comes, came from, but it's the finest wine she's ever had. False alarm. Crisis averted. The party can continue. A false alarm, it's, it's like a cell phone alarm warning of a missile heading your way that was not there at all. Like fears the party is over when it's only just beginning. The thing is, even after the alarm has been canceled, though, sometimes it's hard to not still hear that buzzing in your ear. Sometimes it's hard to return to life before that false alarm, to walk around as if we still have wine, it's hard to do. There's, 100 gal- there's 180 gallons left, and yet we still have a hard time pouring one more glass. We've tasted scarcity after all. Maybe the alarm was true. You, you can't be too safe after all. Better hide in the staircase just a little bit longer. Maybe that second alarm was false. Maybe the threat is real. I mean, it'd be nice. After all, it'd be nice if the party could continue. If we had all the wine in the world, it'd be nice. If we had all the money in the world, then we could really do something. Then we, then we could help people. Then we could really throw a party. Then we could act. Then we could, well, then we could be bold. We wouldn't have to worry about what we said. We wouldn't have to worry about things running out. We could do something amazing, but you can't be too safe. I mean, the bottles, they've run out before. Maybe next time the alarm's for real. You can't be too safe. In the midst of our fears of scarcity, there is this great abundance, 180 gallons of wine abundance. John tells us that this is Jesus's first sign. That's John's chosen word for miracle sign. It's a sign. It tells us something about who Jesus is, points us on the way of what it means for God to become flesh. This has never happened before. What does it look like when God is flesh. Well, this is what it looks like. It looks like empty bottles turned into full bottles, a party that was going to be canceled now lasting for days. God in the flesh looks like abundance, enough wine for the whole world. 
As Marty mentioned, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day, a celebration of his birthday, which is actually January 15th. He would have been 89 years old this year. It's hard to think about his birth without thinking about that untimely death. This year is also on April 4th, the 50th anniversary of his murder. I wasn't even alive back then, but you can still feel the gravity of that moment. The shockwaves continuing 50 years from that day. Because with the death of King, many felt as if hope itself died. A movement died. Justice died. That the rivers of justice dried up. It hasn't been the same since. The road since has been long and difficult. And these days it seems that fight for justice and equality is becoming harder and harder. The road steeper and steeper. Maybe we should just send out an alert. Justice is running out. This is not a drill. It's hard times after all. Maybe crisis mode should set in. Hold on to what you have. These days, these days are not like those days. Things are getting tough. Protect what you have. Hide in the stairwells. Build a wall. Kick out people who are different than you. There's a shortage on justice after all. A shortage on hope. There's not enough grace, maybe, maybe enough for me, but for the whole world, have you seen the empty bottles? But in the midst of our cell phone alarm sounding, we get this message, a message from the mother of Jesus, Mary. Mary says, do what he tells you to do. Do what he tells you. What a message. And what has he told us to do? To hide in the stairwells? To build a wall? To hold on to what you have? Is that what he's told us to do. Maybe it was all a false alarm and the cell phone alarm silence. That's when we could hear it. Maybe you could hear it as well. It was there all along. Our panic almost drowned it out. Can you hear it? The music, the dancing. I think I hear a cork popping. See the party, it never stopped. It keeps going and going. At the center of it all is Jesus and there he is inviting us all to come. He's always inviting people in. He dips a glass in those jars of water, those holy jars that were used for purification, those jars full of prayers and hopes and good intentions, ones we would never dip into ourselves because, well, it may not be proper and it may run out. But Jesus, Jesus just dips into those holy jars and serves everyone a glass, a glass of that finest wine. And he keeps on serving and serving. There's enough for everyone. Justice rolling down like a rolling river. There's enough for everyone. Listen to Jesus. Do whatever Jesus says. Invite your friends. Call your neighbors. Bring in strangers, people from down the street, people from the other side of town, people around the globe, from Norway to Zimbabwe, from Canada to Haiti, from Pakistan to El Salvador, from one side of town to the other, from one persuasion to another of all faiths, of all people and races and orientations for you, for me, for everyone. Jesus is inviting us to the party. And the alarms, well, it was all a mistake. False alarm after all, because it turns out, funny thing, God's love never runs out. There's more than enough for everyone, for the whole world, and God always saves the best for last. Let us come now with joy to the table of our extravagant Lord.